Mark chapter 14, I am following the theme um, that you have been in as a church, and it fits very well for me, so here we go. Um, Mark 14, verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. I mean, obviously, nothing got by Jesus. He knew what was going on. Peter said to him, Even though they meaning the other disciples, all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, excuse me, truly I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he emphatically said, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they, meaning all the disciples, said the same. Okay? Verse 66. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also uh, were with the Nazarene Jesus, but he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl said to him, and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, while the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you would deny me three times. And he broke down. And he wept. Okay, uh, turn quickly, Luke 22, just a comparative here. Luke 22, uh, verses 31 to 33. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. Now, this happened at the same time. This was in the same context, okay? Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat. By the way, they were probably all walking to Gethsemane when Jesus revealed the fact um, that that Peter was going to deny him, etc. And this conversation probably happened on the same walk. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you return again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. So, so that, th- there's a comparative. I love that. I've prayed for you. First Timothy chapter 2 reveals Jesus as the mediator between God and man. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7 talks about Jesus as our intercessor, that he intercedes for us um, uh, before the Father. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, isn't it wonderful? I, I mean, I've got, a, I've got a man, his name is Cornelius Rentius. He was the first pastor I ever worked with. He's now 97 years of age. If I would call him today, one of the first things he would say to me is, Dave, I pray for you every day. And I, I just really, you know, that just means a lot to me. But isn't it wonderful to think that Jesus 
prays for us. I mean, it's beyond comprehension. And, 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 and Jesus says to Peter here, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. Is, is prayer important? I think so. Okay, there it is. All right, uh, John chapter four, 18, excuse me, John chapter 18. Um, we've got to get kind of a biblical context here to all of this, and I'm, I'm going to do this as quickly as I can. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't even think I'm going to read it. I, I mean, here's, here's, here's another comparative to Mark chapter 14. All right, uh, let me just read a couple verses, verses 10 and 11. Then Simon Peter, okay, this is in the garden now. And Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall and I drink the cup that the Father has given me? All right. Now, verses 25 to 27. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you also are not... One of the disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, didn't I see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. All right, <clears throat> question. How, how, how does Peter get from this amazing courage to cutting off the servant of the, right, of, of the high priest's servant to, uh, to denial? How does it get there so quickly from, from one to the other? All right? Um, uh, one more portion here. Matthew 16. And, and I'm just going to make reference to, uh, to, to a couple verses here. Matthew 16. Verse 16. It, Jesus asked, who do, who do people say that I am? Uh, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Uh, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Okay, tremendous revelation, amazing revelation. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. All right, uh, now... <laughs> Kind of interesting. Um, uh, verse 23. Well, we've got to start in verse 21. From, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind. Underline that in your mind. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Okay? You're not focusing on the things of God, but the things of man. Okay? So the question is, how does Peter get from tremendous revelation, you are the Christ, the Son of the loving God, Jesus saying, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but, but, but your Father in heaven has revealed this to you. How does he get from that to Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan? 
I, I mean, almost, almost simultaneous. At one point, revelation, and at one point, get behind me, Satan, the things that you're saying are not from God, but from man. Okay, now, number one, that reveals to me that there can be people who have tremendous revelation that can miss the boat. Okay? So not, you know, not just because somebody prophesies correctly over you, just because you hear something from somebody that is, that is true and right, doesn't mean that everything that comes out of their mouth is true and right. Jesus at one point says, Boo! What has been revealed to you has been revealed to you by the Father. And then almost in the next breath he's saying, Get behind me, Satan. What you're saying is not from God. Okay? So, discernment is super important in our, in our process. Okay, a, a couple things quickly. Bold affirmations do not guarantee faithfulness. All right? Okay, I, 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 th- I noticed that it was kind of cool. I noticed at the end, and I'd, I, not knowing that, I wrote, wrote this down. You know, um, anybody can sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. As we close this service, we're going to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. But anybody can sing that. Anybody can say that. Anybody can make broad proclamations of, 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 of how I'm going to be faithful, Lord. You know, broad proclamations do not equal faithfulness. Secondly, we often do not see our own heart condition. We often don't see it. We often don't even know it. Peter didn't know it. He didn't see this about himself. He didn't understand where he was at. How many remember the name Wes Leonard? Anybody remember the name Wes Leonard? Well, you'll remember the story when I tell you. March 4th, 2011, Fenville, Michigan. Fenville High School was 19 and 0 in playing basketball. Okay? March 4th, 2011, they were tied. And a young man by the name of Wes Leonard, who was a star on that team, went up and did a layup at the closing buzzer of the game. And the team, Fenville, wins. 57, 55, and the place goes nuts. 30 seconds later, Wes Leonard falls to the floor and dies of an enlarged heart. He did not know the condition of his own heart. Didn't feel a thing. Didn't know it. Was not aware of it. And I'm aware that it is easy for Dave Ogren, Sr., not to know the condition of his own heart. Huh? We can we can be fooled. We can we can we can be 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 uh, distorted in our own concept of who we are, how strong we are, what we're able to do, and that's exactly where Peter was at. He said he said you know that will never happen to me. He didn't know the condition of his own heart. The the enemy of pride and self assurance is a slippery slope. Um, we, we see it so often. Paul knew his own vulnerability. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul talks about it in verse 24 to 27. He says, I bring my own body into subjection, lest having preached to others, I myself would be cast away. He knew the condition of his own heart. He knew his potential weakness. And, and, and unfortunately... The, the enemy of pride and self-assurance robbed Peter at this point 
of something valuable. And that's walking carefully before God. Micah chapter 6 says, What does the Lord require? Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your Lord. Okay? Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly. James chapter 4 is full. A whole chapter. We're not going to turn there this morning. A whole chapter is full of words concerning guard your heart. Be careful about pride. Okay? So, how, how does... How did Peter get from here to there? That's the question. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is the answer. Right? And that was... We're done with the introduction. All right? Glad? Okay. All right. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Verse 16. So, we don't even lose heart. Though the outward is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are, tempor- are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And you remember how Jesus said to Peter, you're not looking at the things that are of God, but the things that are of men. Okay? And, 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 and Paul here gives us some keys as, as, as to what helps us to not do what Peter did in that context. Okay? One thing and then another. And Paul begins by saying, we're all jars of clay, we're all cracked pots. You know, the reality is, is that God has done that on purpose. You are weak on purpose. God has not made you Superman. He's made you weak on purpose. Clay clay jars, why? So that the glory may be not of you. Your personality, you know, your charisma, your knowledge, who you are, your strength. No, 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 no. So that the glory would not be of you, but of God. Okay? All right? And then he begins to talk about this reality, afflicted. In every way, that we are not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, losing, uh, not losing heart, though the outward is perishing. And the question is why or how? How does that happen? How can we be afflicted, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed? And we don't lose heart, even though the outward is perishing. He gives us the answer in both verse 16 and verse 18. While the inner self is being renewed day by day in verse 16. Okay? The fact is, is that Sunday is not enough for you. It's not enough for me. What was happening to Peter and to the other disciples as Jesus was was in deep prayer, what were they doing? Sleeping. Okay? We, there, there is something about renewing your inner self day by day. There's something about me renewing my inner self day by day. Consistent sense, being in the presence of God, 
hearing the Word of God. You're doing saturation here. Marvelous. Wonderful. Wonderful. It, 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 it's doing something for you as a church. I can feel it. I felt it this morning. There's something powerful about the Word of God, and you're allowing that to happen. Renewing yourself day by day will cause you that even though you may be afflicted, you're not crushed, perplexed, you're not driven to despair, persecuted, but you're not forsaken, struck down, but you're not destroyed, and you don't lose heart even though the outward is perishing. Okay, verse 16. Verse 18, this is the other part of it. Okay, it, it's, not, it's not simply about renewal and being, be, being a full well. Okay? I think we all, I know Pastor Jim and I can both relate to this, uh, we all have been in positions where we have been strung out, we have been way too busy, we have been uh, overextended, we, our, our, our well uh, becomes quite empty, and, and we're faced in a situation, and, 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 and our bucket goes down into the bottom of our well, and all we hear is clank, 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 and we pull it up, and there's, there's really nothing to give in this particular context, and you realize, oh my God, I'm an empty well. <laughs> I don't have anything to say. I don't have anything to give. Why? Because I haven't been renewing myself day by day. Okay, so that's the first part. But the second part is, as we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. Okay? Why? Because the things that are seen are temporary or transient. The things that are unseen are eternal. Now, the word look here is the word scopio in the Greek. And, and you know, S-K-O-P-E-O. -E All right, very simple word where we get the word scope, obviously, for rifle scope. How many know it's not a good idea to put that scope right on your eye when you're shooting? Huh? How many have discovered that? It's not the best idea. Put the scope right on your eye where it covers your eye and you got your other eye closed. No, 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 no. You keep it a little bit away from your eye. And, and the reality is, is that, is that because the scope is not right on your eye, you have peripheral vision. Okay? The peripheral vision is the scene, is, is what surrounds you. Okay? How many know that you live in a very visible world, a very tangible world? Huh? How many had your cornflakes this morning or Cheerios this morning? Okay? How many know that's a good thing? Especially when there's a long service, it's a good thing. You know, you have a little breakfast in the morning. Some of you that didn't have breakfast this morning, you're feeling it right now. Okay? Why? Because, because we live in a tangible world. Okay? And, and, and Paul here is talking about that. And he, he, he's saying, this is the other part of the equation. And this, this was part of, of, of Peter's problem. While he was not looking at the things that are eternal, but the things that are temporary, he got confused. He got confused between the distinction between expectation and reality. Expectation for him, Jesus is going to come as king. Okay, hey, even if we get in the garden, somehow he's going to work his way out of here. All of a sudden, he is arrested. Are you kidding me? And it throws him into confusion. He is, he is lost, Scopio, concerning the eternal. He's lost the fact that, that Jesus, you are the Son of God. He's lost the fact who he's dealing with here. He's lost the fact that in spite of everything that, you're, that he's seeing right now, God is still in charge. He lost, lost view of that. Okay? The horizontal 
in the vertical. Okay? How, how many of you have ever experienced the horizontal two-by-four? The natural things in life that you didn't see coming. Peter didn't see this coming. He did not see this coming. He did not expect this. Even though, you know, I mean, why didn't he expect it? I don't know. Jesus said at least three times. Go through Mark's Gospel at least three times. Jesus says, you know, I'm going to die. You know, I'm going to be buried. I'm going to, be, I'm going to rise again in three days. And, 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 and the disciples have no clue. You know, I mean, Jesus keeps talking about it, but they, you know, how many know that you hear what you want to hear? They didn't want to hear that. They want to hear the kingdom is coming. Jesus is going to be king. We're going to be prime ministers. We're going to have big houses. We're going to ride in gold chariots. You know, the, the kingdom's coming and we're a part of it. Death? Forget it! You know? Vertical, horizontal. Okay, so all of a sudden now, boom! The horizontal 2 by 4 comes alongside, and what happens? It changes their vertical perspective. It throws them off of their vertical perspective because now the horizontal doesn't make sense. How many have ever had life experience where the horizontal didn't make sense? Yes, all of us. Every single one of us. The horizontal does not make sense many times. So, Paul says, when the going gets tough, we can keep our equilibrium when we understand, when we choose, when we decide to scopio the vertical instead of the horizontal. Okay? Now, I want to give you one other example that, to me, even more powerfully illustrates this than Peter. And it's the life of John the Baptist. We all know John the Baptist. John the Baptist miraculous birth to Zacharias and Elizabeth, set apart for God's purpose from conception, uniquely filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb, birth prophesied in Isaiah 40 and Malachi 4. 30 years pass. Okay? John bursts on the scene. The last of the Old Testament prophets. A man uniquely sent from God. Preaches in the wilderness. Some people say up to 20,000 people at a time were coming out to see John. It was a time of spiritual renewal and revival in Israel as people all of a sudden were once again looking for the coming of the Messiah and they were being baptized in preparation for that. The Messiah is coming. And all of Israel was abuzz because of John the Baptist. Okay? He had come with purpose. And he was a little weird. God anointed him, even though he was a little weird. How many of you are a little weird? Put your hand down. We're, we, don't really, we don't really care. You know, the fact is, is here's this guy with camel's hair and a leather belt and eats grasshoppers and honey. I mean, just weird diet, looked weird, did weird things, you know. But God isn't afraid of weird people. How many are glad? I am so glad for that. I am just so glad for that. All right, so, so anyhow, here, here is John the Baptist called by God with purpose to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Luke chapter 1, verse 17. So Matthew chapter 3, turn there. I'm not quite done. All right. This is important. This is important. And and the reason it's more important than than lunch. Um, Okay. But I got to go here because you need to see this. When this this came to life for me, it's been life-changing for me. Okay. Matthew chapter 3. In those days, verse 1, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Verse 5 and 6. 
Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him and they were, uh, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Very good. Verse 11. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Powerful. Okay, John chapter one. We hear John's own words. Okay, John chapter one. Verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, what? What did he say? Look, behold the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. The disciples didn't know anything about this. John understood that Jesus had come as God's, first of all, sacrifice before a king. He didn't say, behold Your king has come. No, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. That is deep revelation. Nobody else had it, only John the Baptist. Behold, the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sin of the world. Wow. Amazing. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me before he was, because he was before me, and I myself did not know him. But for this purpose, I came. Now, now, boy, I tell you, I mean, there's so much revelation here. John, even though, even though um, he actually speaks of the eternal aspect of who Jesus was here. And then verse 32, and John bore witness. Now listen to his words. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him even though they were cousins. Now, does he mean that that they were never together? Probably not. But we don't know that piece of the story. Maybe they were together, but but Jesus didn't make, like the Apocrypha says, Jesus didn't make doves out out of mud and they flew. Okay? Jesus was just a regular boy, you know, during those days. And so he said, I myself didn't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Wow. Behold the Lamb of God. Now, okay, so here's, here's this guy who has tremendous revelation, tremendous experience, saw Jesus baptized, saw the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus like a dove, 
heard the voice from heaven, this is my beloved son, knew that this was the son of God, knew that this was the lamb of God, knew all of this. All right? That was his experience. All right? What happens to John? Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 3, all record that, that John observed Herod and Herodias. Herodias was not his wife. Herodias was his brother's wife. Philip was married to Herodias. It gets confusing because of the names. But Philip was married to Herodias. But Herodias and Herod were having a relationship. Okay? And Paul confronted it and said that this relationship is not right. <laughs> you need to break it off. And Herodias didn't like it. And she pushed Herod's button and got John thrown into prison. Okay? So now, now John is in prison. Unexpectedly. This is an unexpected horizontal. This is an unexpected two-by-four. God didn't reveal this prophetically to John. John didn't know this was coming. He didn't expect this to happen. We know that because of how he responds to it. Okay? How long was John in ministry? Six months. How long was it in preparation? 30 years, give or take a year. 30 years of preparation, six months of ministry. How long was he in prison at the point of this scripture? Seven months. <laughs> okay, so, so now he's in prison longer than he ministered. He, he is not an old man with a gray beard. He is a young buck full of power. Full of, full of snort, ready, ready to take on Herod and the world. Ready, ready to preach and do whatever God wanted him to do. Here was this young guy, full of the Holy Spirit and power, and now he's sitting in prison for seven months. Unplanned, unseen, unexpected, unanticipated, unrevealed, and a fertile environment for confusion and discouragement and depression and despair. And any time that, boom, two by four comes our way, that horizontal experience of life comes, and you have had it, and you will have horizontal two by fours yet in your life, and when they come, they are fertile ground for despair and discouragement. And it was for John, just like it was for Peter. This was a dark, unhealthy prison. This was not like the prisons in Minnesota or in the state of Washington today with cable television and good meals and showers and all that stuff. No, 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 no. This, is, this was a dark, unhealthy prison. And these were circumstances beyond his control. How many have had circumstances you couldn't control? You'd love to control it. You'd love to change it. They haven't changed. And here you are in this horizontal plane of life experience and it doesn't make sense to you, and it seems crazy to you, and, 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 and you've got all kinds of questions, and no answers, and that's exactly, exactly where John was. Okay, so, one more scripture to turn to, and I'm done. Luke 7. Luke 7. All right. The chapter begins with, with, with the revelation of 
of Jesus' healing ministry, healing the centurion servant, raising the widow's son from the dead. It's marvelous. Verse 18, the disciples of John reported all these things to John. And John, calling two of his disciples uh, to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, What? What? Read it. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for somebody else? Are you kidding me, John? Are you kidding me? You, you saw the dove. You heard the voice. You had the revelation. This is my beloved son. You, you knew. You said, this is the Lamb of God. You said, this is the Son of God. You had revelation nobody else had. And now, after all of that, you are saying, are you the one or do we look for somebody else? What is going on here? You know what's going on? Horizontal is going on. Horizontal is going on. Horizontal that makes no sense is going on for an extended period of time. And John is confused. He didn't see this coming. He didn't think life would be like this at all. And he's wondering, God, is anything I believed in true? So what happens? So they go. And they ask Jesus. And Jesus doesn't respond like I did. He doesn't say, are you kidding me? He, didn't, he doesn't do that. He says, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The, dead he- the deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have good news preached to them. And then he speaks personally to John. And blessed is the one who isn't offended, who isn't derailed because of me. (laughs) Blessed is the one who doesn't get derailed because the horizontal doesn't even fit your theology. You see, I believe that John had a theology that said, I'm young, gifted, anointed, called, faithful, obedient, Therefore, protected. Woo. Anybody ever hear that on television? It's not true. Here we have a great example. Young, gifted, anointed, faithful. And now, Jesus, the disciples of John go. Jesus says some words here. And, and for those of you that are real nervous... I'm almost done. About five more minutes. Okay? But Jesus says some, some really crucial words, and I want you to understand that the Scripture on written page doesn't give us emotion. So we don't, we don't hear or see emotion here, but I believe with all my heart, tremendous emotion in these words. Jesus' word, I, I believe his, his voice was husky with emotion. He probably could hardly speak. I'm sure there were tears streaming down his face as he said these words concerning his cousin John. Listen, listen to what he says. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes! 
I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. And I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John the Baptist. But he was least, smallest in the kingdom, is greater. What is he, what is he doing? He's, he's mining the reality of who we are as children of God and Christ under the new covenant. And I can't go there, obviously, because we don't have time. But that is another whole message. Okay? The reality of what is yours in Christ that wasn't even John's because he was pre-Holy Spirit coming to dwell within us, even though the Holy Spirit dwelt within him covenantly. It's a different time, different place. Okay. Now, okay, great, wonderful, all right? The movie ends happy, right? Right? Ends wonderful. John gets delivered from prison, right? No. Off goes his head. Okay. And I believe that when Jesus was saying these words, John, don't be offended in me. What was he saying? He was saying, hey, buddy, don't forget, just, just a couple of days, you and I are going to be together in the presence of God. Don't, don't lose your grip. Don't lose sight of the reality of who you are and who I am. Even though Everything in the horizontal makes no sense. Let's pray. Father, oh God, <laughs> we, we, we are so tangible, natural. We tend to focus on what is seen so much that it confuses us and frustrates us and discourages us. But God, you said there is a place of equilibrium. You said there's a place of, of being able to be steadfast and solid in the midst of difficult times. You've said that to us. <laughs> Where the horizontal doesn't have to Get us! <laughs> Destroy us! And I want to say, I was asking this morning in the back room during prayer, I was asking God, what, how, how do you want me to close this? And this is what I sense. This is not for everybody, but this is for some of you who have had confusion confusion in the horizontal. Confusion in the horizontal. It's raised all kinds of questions in your mind. Jesus is saying to you this morning, don't be offended in me. Don't, don't let go of Jesus. And by the way, there are, there are no guarantees that the horizontal is ever going to work out. <laughs> That's not what this is about. 
while we look, while we scopio, not the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, because the things that are seen are temporary, transient. Things that are not seen are eternal. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. We're going to close with worship here. But I'm just going to say this. Just as we are right now in the presence of Jesus. If you've gotten horizontal two-by-fours in your life and they, they, they have thrown you out of kilter, then you are coming back this morning to Scopio, to focus those things that are most important versus that which is least important. God is speaking that to your heart. I want you right now just to stand to your feet. Just quickly stand. I am making a stand this morning. A stand this morning. For what God is calling me to. The horizontal, is it still there? Yes. Is it important? Yes. Is it a part of who we are? Yes. But it is not to be your life focus. If you focus on the on the horizontal only, you will have you will have all kinds of confusion and frustration and disappointment all the days of your early life. But if you can scopio the eternal. Father, this morning I pray for many of these my dear friends today who are standing in your presence saying I will not give my focus only to the horizontal I will also give my focus primarily to that which is eternal I will give my attention even to my daily life to those things that really count for you and for eternity having to do with my character having to do with the fruit of the spirit in my life having to do with how I treat people, having to do with the flow of of Your grace in and through my life to other people, having to do being filled with Your Spirit, anointed by Your Spirit, to do what You've called me to do, to go where You've called me to go, to be what You've called me to be, that one day I will stand in Your presence and You will say, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.